Hello, welcome to Wide Left Sports. Today, I am joined by, <clears throat> excuse me, North Idaho College's women's basketball coach, Nate Coville. How are you doing today? Doing great, Mitch. Thanks for having me on. Of course, of course. So, what kind of gave you the bug to be a coach and coach basketball at the collegiate level? Uh, well, coaching at the collegiate level is something I always wanted to do. Um, when I finished playing for the Grizz in the mid-90s, um, they had uh, eliminated grad assistant positions. So I immediately just started coaching high school in town. And then uh, when my wife, who played for Lady Grizz as well, finished her degree, we moved to Southern California and started our teaching careers. So just kind of got caught up, started teaching and coaching. And then I did that for close to 20 years. And then um, I give all the credit to my wife about giving me a chance to get to the college game. She, her and I talked and in 2016, I got an opportunity to go to, to Willamette University on the men's side and did that for three years. And then, the, and then my wife and I had kind of a five-year plan. If we couldn't, if I couldn't elevate myself in five years or see if I could get connected and where I could make a career of this for a while, uh, then I'd go back to education. And then after my third year, at Willamette, I was given an opportunity to go back to my own modern and coach the Lady Grizz, which was awesome. And then that was kind of a, a two-year opportunity to go back and play, and I'm sorry, coach with the Lady Grizz and be at my own modern. And then COVID hit and a coaching change hit. And my last year at Montana, um, the assistants who I was on staff with the first year, we were interim coaches for a year. And then the university made a a change and wanted to go another direction. So last year I was substitute teaching in town in Missoula and trying to figure out whether I get back in the college game or not. This opportunity came and my family with their blessing said, Hey, you got to try to take an opportunity to coach here and get back in the game. And with their blessing, it was me moving over to Coeur Lane and them staying in Missoula and making it work as a kind of a, a patchwork family for a year. Um, my oldest daughter is currently a sophomore in college, so that helped out a little bit. And then my youngest daughter is a senior, so when she graduates, uh, she's been lucky enough to be blessed with an opportunity to go play at Washington State. And my wife will then move over this direction, so not quite sure what my, my oldest daughter is going to do. She's got a couple things in the works and ideas, but the plan will be the wife moves over here, and then we'll kind of go from there. My wife is from Spokane area, so... She, this area is familiar to us, so it's just kind of a way to get back to close to her family as well. Oh, that's awesome for sure. So I have a few follow-up questions, but my first one's going to be, you know, being a Grizz as an athlete and then being able to come back as a coach, what was that experience like for you? It was awesome. Um, you know, I grew up in Southern California and played for the University of Montana, so coming from Southern California to play in Missoula, I, I love the area. I love uh the community and the support that the Grizz and Lady Grizz got and so I knew if I ever got a chance to go back and coach there that would be a, a great opportunity for me but also just a great opportunity to get back in, into that community of Missoula where where sports are passionate uh, the Grizz and the university is passionate uh, fans are fans are passionate so getting a chance to do that was awesome and the experience was was surreal I, I remember telling somebody um, as a player, I knew like the traditions, how we come out of the tunnel, the music and all that. But as a coach, I was like completely blown away by all the different things that 
coaches did, just standing up and clapping. Those are just different things that I didn't understand when the when the fight song comes on. I was usually a player warming up. I didn't know what the coaches did. So that was kind of neat. And then just being able to go back and, and the people who were still at the university when I played, to be able to go back and to have them still be a part of the university and, and still be uh, connected with me as a former player, that, that was awesome as well. So and then, you know, Travis, the men's coach, is someone who I was a teammate with for three years. So good, going back there and being able to continue our friendship and and build on that, sharing office suites and just being able to be around people that you've been with for, for years growing up. So that was awesome as well. And I think anytime you could go back to coaching your own mater is, is a blessing. And I, I will look back at the two years I was there with great fondness. For sure. So. You know, you kind of opened it up to another question there. Being from Southern California, that is a hotbed of athletic talent in Southern California there. So how did you set yourself apart to even be seen from the University of Montana? Well, this was kind of before when I graduated in 91, AAU basketball was not what it is today. So the AAU program I played with, we did a, some spring league stuff in L.A. locally, and then we went to Vegas for one tournament. Um before that, there was some big regional tournaments that coaches would go to or, or camps. So I would say the best thing for me was um, I was allowed to go to what was called at the time Superstar Camp. It was held at UC Santa Barbara, and it was a regional camp. So a lot of the best players in the West Coast would come to UC Santa Barbara. You get put on a team, and you basically just play games, and then coaches would watch those games. But it was also uh, a time where high school – uh, summer league was important. And I remember playing a, a really high profile tournament in Southern California. And in the game I was playing, we were playing uh, Marina High School who had Cherokee Parks, who went to Duke. And in the stands, John Thompson from Georgetown, Jerry Tarkanian from UNLV, Lute Olson from Arizona were sitting right there in front row. So high school was high school uh, coaches and high school summer league basketball, I think was a little bit more uh, important for college coaches to go recruit at the time, but now it's changed. Um, but as far as how I ended up at Montana, I will, I will say this. I was not bragging about this. I was a very, very bad student. Um, I had uh, a lot of opportunities and coaches and schools come to my house and then they saw my transcripts and then they were like, there's no way that we could get you into school. Um, and that's something I learned as I got older, how the importance of taking taking school was. And my senior year in high school, I was taking a night class at a local community college just to get my lab science uh, requirements out of the way. So at that moment, I really learned, hey, I got to start taking school a little bit more important. And by that time, a lot of schools, I think it was about 10 schools who were interested in me. And then that kind of dwindled down to uh, about four. And then uh, when I was initially starting to get recruited by Montana, I noticed that they were a big man school. They, they focused on big men mm -hmm. and they worked on the development of big men. And that was something that I felt was important for me. So when they came to my house and I went on my official visit, they had a plan for me. Uh, they told me that redshirting was probably going to be the way that I would see my path for them. And I felt like that was a great opportunity for me to learn and get better. So uh, being in Missoula, like, like I said, was an opportunity for me to one, play at a program that really focused and, and, and developed bigs. And then there was the opportunity of playing in front of 
thousands of fans. I mean, I can remember my redshirt year. Uh, I think our average home attendance for a home league game was close to 9,000 fans a game. And that to me was important playing in front of a lot of fans. So one, the development of me as a big man and two playing in front of a college environment that allows you to play in front of fans and a winning program. Uh, those were things that really interested me when I selected Montana. For sure. For sure. So, you know, obviously Montana's basketball program has always been extremely good. And like you said, develop big men, but what was your favorite memory of playing with the Grizz during your time? Um, well, I'll go back to my redshirt year. Um, I had great teammates, great seniors on that on that team. We we started five seniors. We went twenty seven and four. Uh, we lost to Florida State in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Wow. That those experiences in itself as a redshirt, watching those things, and then learning from people who had been in the the trenches for years. Right. Um, you know, players like Travis is continually, he's, he's still there, he's coaching, but, you know, there was teammates like Delvon Anderson, who I think is by far the best teammate that I've ever played with, the best leader that I've ever played with. And then there's also players who came in the program who've been there for a long year. Darren England was a great mentor to me as far as playing post. Uh, Roger Fasting is another guy who grew up in Eastern Montana, was a great leader. And then you had players like Keith Crawford and Nate Atchison who filled out that, that starting five. And, and those were guys who who I felt were, were great leaders and great leaders by example, but also great leaders by uh, developing a relationship and, and encouraging, but all, holding you accountable. So those things were great. Uh, Montana State, my first Montana State game, when the before they had the media row and the football team would be right there on the sideline, I can remember coming out to get warm-ups and get some shots in, and the football players were already dialed in. They, they had uh, – probably consume some adult beverages before the game. So they were pretty, <laughs> pretty amped. That was a pretty cool experience. And I remember uh, the championship game uh, against uh, Nevada Reno, we were down and then we started coming back. I can remember the, I can still remember the, the, the crowd through my body, just the, the roar of the crowd. And, and, and you could, I could still feel that in my body when I talk about it. So those were really great experiences. I think more more importantly than anything else, I mean, we won a lot when I played there, but um, I, I think the relationships I made with with people, I'm still really great friends with Sean Samuelson. Um, his parents would take me and other people into their into their family for holidays when we couldn't go home. And I remember the first time driving across state and, and going to his ranch and his little brother going out there. We're gonna we're gonna go hunting for jackrabbits and I was like what the heck is that and then you know so that family the Samuelson family to me is is like a second family and I've continued that relationship with his family my now my daughters have spent time at their ranch oh, my daughters awesome. my daughters feel like they're part of the family uh last year when they played in the state championship in Billings all of Sean's family came to the games so those things to me are what make the college experience obviously winning games and playing in front of fans is, is exciting and, and awesome but the continued relationships that I have you know not only with Sean he's just one example Brandon Dade's another uh, teammate of mine who grew up in Southern California who when we both moved back to California our families got together quite a bit because we only live 20 minutes apart That's so awesome. my daughters being able to experience relationships with my teammates and have have relationships with their kids and their families to me is 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 bar none more important and more 
more special than any win. And then, you know, there's players like Chris Boya, who I still continue to talk to. And then, like I said, Travis, I, I maintained a really steady relationship with Delvon until he passed a few years ago. Um, and then being able to go back and, 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 and see. So, for example, I go when I go home, I'll go on long walks and I still maintain a friendship with my assistant coach, Don Holst, and we go on long walks together. So the, to me, the relationships are the pieces that stand out. And awesome. hopefully, hopefully here, I, I'm, I'm kind of building that culture where, where the girls realize that, you know, the wins and losses and the competition and doing those things is important, but hopefully maybe they, even though it's a two-year college, they still build a lifelong relationship with somebody that they can maintain with 20 years down the road. For sure. For sure. So now in your coaching career, you've obviously been the assistant and now you're the head coach. So what differences are there between being the assistant and being the head coach you've noticed so far? Um, well, there's there's a few differences. One, as the assistant coach on road trips, every player wants to drive in your car. They don't want to be <laughs> in the head coach's car. Uh, and, the, and the same thing goes for the office. The players will go to the office of the assistant coach and talk to them. They don't they don't go to the head coach's office very often. So those are two things. Um I think more importantly, what I'm finding out, because I haven't been a head coach since I was a high school head coach, is that um, there's always something that's going to come up that you're going to have to deal with that's not on your checklist that you do in the morning. Uh, whether that's a class issue with a player, whether that's uh, an issue with the player regarding school or, or basketball, um, I think there's just always an unknown that something's going to pop up and that you're always going to have to deal with the outside things. It's not just recruiting it's not just watching film and prepping for the next game and, and planning practices there's a lot of outside things that you have to do and at this level you know I have an assistant who's great Louis Varks amazing and he helps quite a bit with the things that are day-to-day -day. so getting uniforms ready making sure we get the wash you know we have to do our own laundry here right oftentimes we're the ones who are driving the vans to games then you're, you know, you're trying to make sure the kids get pregame meals and postgame meals. Where at, at the higher level, you may have somebody else who's taking care of that. And as an assistant coach or head coach, those aren't your duties. So at the lower levels, I think it's just that when you are planning things, there's always going to be something that comes up. And then you're just going to have to do all the other things that you don't normally do at a bigger university. And For sure. um, I knew that that was something that was going to take place here. And I feel like my, you know, 20 years of high school coaching and then, you know, close to 10 as a, as a head coach uh, helped me prepare for some of the things that would come on because I feel like when you're in high school, you don't have a large staff. You might have assistant coaches who are working in other schools or you might have a guy who's a business, business person in town that comes and helps you with practices. Here, I'm lucky enough to have Louie on campus all day long with me and we meet every day to talk about the practice plan. Like we're going to go play a big game tomorrow at Columbia Basin. And they're currently second. So we just got done talking about, okay, what are we going to do to get the kids fed before we hit the bus? When we get on the bus, are we going to get there and play enough time so the kids don't have, you know, travel legs? Right. And then we got, once we're done with that game, we got to figure out a way to get them a meal. Is it going to be, we're going to get a meal after the game or we're going to wait till the guys game's over and travel with them. So just the day-to-day -day operations are the things that kind of stick in your mind when I think, okay, what is the biggest thing I've had to do? And then, you know, like, like I said, you know, when you go and you move over 12 inches from one seat to the next, you know, that that constant decision, I got a decision to make, a decision to make, a decision to make, those those things never end. 
For sure. And then also, you know, you mentioned your school is a two-year school. You coach at the University of Montana. That's a four-year school. What are the differences between that? Because, I mean, you have these kids for two years, maybe three, and that's it. Uh, well, I mean, first and foremost, obviously, when you have a group of kids for four years, um, and I think that's that's even more rare nowadays at the four-year level because of the transfer portal. But when you have a kid that you've built a relationship for two, three, four years, not only do they know what you're asking of them so that they can help the young kids, um, but they also have – they've gone through – what a freshman's like, what a sophomore's like. They've gone through missing home and being homesick. They've gone through road trips and tough practices. And so they can help with those younger kids. Right. Um, to me, that's that's the biggest difference. And how do we cultivate a culture where those second-year kids are doing the same things that maybe a junior or senior would in a four-year college? So trying to speed those things up. Uh, Corey here, the men's coach, has been a great resource just talking about certain things he does with his players and how he's built a culture of having those second year players be more leaders for that. And then um, I would say, man, I, that, that would probably be the biggest thing, but all, I would say that a, a really small thing would be you know, uniforms. So in a, in a, in a bigger school, you have a group of kids for, you know, four years. Right. And that kid's probably going to wear that same number and they're going to probably have the same size jersey and shorts, whatever it is. Here you have kids for two years. So you might have a bigger kid who wears a number and that might be a large jersey and a medium short. So just inventory. When I came here, I realized I had to put together uniforms to have enough for the players. So I had to put together some patchwork uniforms. And so I know that next time I go through cycling, uniforms i'm just going to buy 20 i'm not going to buy how many kids i have and i'm just going to this is a really small thing as a head coach deal but it is something you have to deal with i'm just going to have jersey match shorts jersey match shorts and i'll have 20 as opposed to like 15 and then i can mix and match with that but having enough shorts that are mediums and enough jerseys that are mediums having enough jerseys that are larges and enough shorts that are largest so that we can and so that was something that logistically i had to deal with early because it takes some time to get uniforms uh, done and then sent and processed. And so I, lucky enough, I worked with a guy here locally that got a local company and patchwork some things together for me. And then next year, what I'll do is I'll probably get that same Nike uniform that we have, and I'll probably buy five sets and do that. So th those two things are, are the first one being more, more of a thing that you really want to think about how you work on, but then the immediate thing would be the the uniforms and making sure that we have enough of those practice uniforms, game uniforms and, and whatnot. For sure. So for those of us that don't know a whole lot about your college and a whole lot about just the college as a whole, what is the spiel that you would give to a prospective athlete that wants to come and play for you? Well, first and foremost, whether we're in the NWAC, which we're currently playing in or we go to the SWAC, which is a national JUCO level, which is the Region 18. Um, I want to build a program that's going to develop kids who want to go to the next level. So I want kids, when they come here, their goal is to play college basketball at the next level. And I want to recruit kids that have that passion so that when they come here, they're hungry to move, to move on. And I want to make sure, whether we stay NWAC or we go back national JUCO, to put those kids in positions to be seen by four-year colleges. So this year that that was a little bit different because I got the job in July. 
the plan is whether we go national JUCO or state NWAC, I want to take a group of kids to some jamborees that where college coaches are going to be able to see them early in the year. And then that way they, these coaches know, Hey, this is a program that I want to come, come look at. Now that looks differently at both uh, places where the NWAC, we can do tuition waivers and help with tuition. We can't play for pay for room and board where if we went national JUCO uh, it's more like a full scholarship deal. So that obviously changes the type of kid you can recruit. So right. um, my goal, first and foremost, is to recruit this area, Spokane, Coeur d'Alene, Post Falls, and, and get in the gyms and let high school coaches know who I am and 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 let them know that we're an option for them, whether we're NWAC or National JUCO. And then I also just being in the community and, and being seen. So like I'm going to a high school game tonight to see a player I really want to get, whether we go National JUCO. And she's heard from me like, this campus is beautiful. We're right on the lake. Um, Coeur d'Alene's a beautiful town. It's a place where if you can't come and, and get better and focus on basketball in a beautiful setting, then, then you, you have not made the right choices in, in program. But as far as playing for me, I, I'm going to coach you hard. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask that you do certain things that, that require you to, to raise your level. Uh, and, you know, for me, it's it's picking the right kind of kids who want to be in the gym and, and be hungry. And then it's making sure that I build a quality enough relationship with them that I, that I can push them and put and, and try to get them to be where they see themselves. I see something more and I can push them to be even better than they were. So I think relationships are important with players and having a quality assistant coach who helps you with that is, is I'm lucky enough to have that. So those things are important. But I, like I said, I want this place to be a place where kids can come and they're going to get a quality education. They're going to play for a coach who's demanding, but also wants them to understand that school is important. We have three, three things here. We're going to compete in the classroom. We're going to compete on the court. We're going to complete, compete in the community. And those are the standards I hold kids to. And then just understand that this gym, you have access here. Um, I'm going to be someone who wants to be in the gym with you. And then also developing that that relationship with those kids who are in the region or specifically closer where um, I can get kids in the gym. So when I first got here, one of my first priorities was to have a post-specific camp for post players. And in a short time, I had probably 40 kids in here, wow. um, all post-specific. I would say a fourth of those, maybe a third of those were all either committed college players playing four-year level, whether it's my daughter or whether it was kids who are still younger who are currently getting recruited by four-year schools. And then offer that coaching with some people and resources that I know. I had a former player of mine I flew up to help out. He played at USC, finished playing at USC. Um, I had uh, used my resources at Washington State. I had Bella Maricatete, who's the Pac-12 most important, uh, improved player last year, came and spoke to our kids. And then using some local resources here to help coach as well. That's awesome for sure. So. I know that Montana is kind of close to your area, especially the Missoula area. Sure. But for those that are a little bit further out, because Montana is absolutely massive, how do they, <laughs> um, how do they, you know, get on your radar as a potential player? Well, like I said, everything was different back in the day. So usually it was kind of a first form letter. Hey, fill this out. Are you interested in us? And I, and I still remember getting my first letter from Montana and something just like, Hey, Montana, like that's completely different than, than what I was even expecting. 
And for some reason, it, it just kind of continued to stay with me. And the more I learned about it, the more I talked to the coaches about their development of, of bigs, the more interested I got in Montana. And then, like I said, uh, going to those camps and playing in summer leagues where their coaches were at my games. And then, you know, I tell parents and players this all the time, go where they love you. And I felt like Montana, when I, every time I talked to them, had a plan for me. And to me, that was important. You know, like, you're not going to just come tell me about what Montana is like and what the campus is like and what this is like. They had a plan specific for me. That was important. I knew exactly what was going to happen when I came to the campus. I knew I was going to redshirt. I knew that those things were going to happen. And to me, that was important. I had a plan. Someone understood who I was. And then, honestly, like I said, my grades were not great. So the, the California schools that recruited me, a lot of the West Coast Conference schools, I kind of eliminated myself from their, their opportunities. So when it came time to me selecting a college, it was really, I think I had the best relationship with University of Montana. And then they had done a great job of showing me what my plan and vision was for those years. And then when I went on my visit, I went to a football game. That was amazing. I went to a gathering with all the players and it was great because at the time we had another teammate, I had another teammate from Long Beach. Um, Travis was from Seattle. Uh, Nate Ashton was from Milwaukee. Delvon was from the Bay Area. And all of those guys were hanging out with the guys from Montana who was on my team. And I I really wanted a atmosphere of team. Uh, my high school team was, like a lot of high school teams, was kind of clicky. Mm -hmm. And we were super talented. I, I played at Montana. My best friend played at Long Beach State. I had two other friends on that team who both could have played college basketball, but then got drafted baseball-wise and decided to go the baseball route. Wow. So really talented, but very clicky. And I didn't feel like we were able to achieve the success that I felt like we could have if we were a more cohesive unit. And when I went to Montana on that visit, I just felt that whether you were from a big city on the team or you were from rural Montana, everybody got along, everybody was dialed in, and they were, they were appreciative and, and enjoying the moment of being together. And so those things really stood out to me. For sure. So for your college there at Northern Idaho, you know, you mentioned that you want to recruit in the area. Um, and I know that Western Montana is super close to you. For sure. But the rest of Montana kind of isn't. But if there are any athletes from other parts of Montana that are interested in your college, how do they get on your radar to where you're, interested in them or just get on your radar to where you know they could be a possibility for northern idaho uh well you know if you're talking about eastern montana you know or the high line you know yeah you use, <laughs> you use connections so it's just reaching out to coaches that you know or reaching out to other people that you know who may have watched kids play and i currently you know i think at every college level you get emails from kids and those are those are really tough i think even Every kid wants to send an email out and, and get seen by a coach. And I'll be honest, like at this level, I get 20 a day from kids. So how how can those kids send me an email and, and get on my radar? They have to make sure that their subject line is something that I'm going to stand out to. So, you know, like point guard, you know, averaging points, those things catch my eye. But a, a lot of it's word of mouth. Um, you know, the, the connections that you have with the people that you know, in different parts of the state. So Eastern Montana would be, or the High Line would be an area that I would use resources and, and coaches connections or, or 
even somebody, for example, like Mecklen Davis, who's in the, the Bozeman area, who runs the the, the Northwest Blazers Montana yep. division, reaching out to him and, and being able to talk to Mecklen. Um, I coach for the Blazers, so there's a lot of Montana kids who who get opportunities for the Blazers to play. And that would go as far as like if you were to reach out to Seattle, like I don't know, you know, there's a lot of high school coaches that I don't know, but re using my resources to reach out, hey, is there a kid that you played against or is there another kid that you think would be on your team that would be a good a good fit for us? And then just having those kids reach out or those coaches reach out is another. This 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 spring and summer would be different because I'll be able to get on the road and, and do some more recruiting. Right. So doing those things and then. I'll be honest with you, Mitch. I, I wanted to have a better social media presence uh, with my team and my program this year, but it's just something that I've, I failed at to, to be good enough to, to promote our program, but that's something that's in the work starting in the spring to be more proactive and, and promoting our program so that maybe kids, like you said, in Eastern Montana, the high line um, can get an example to, to, to follow us, but they, they can always check out the website. Um, they can always send me an email and then reach out to me that way or my assistant. And then I'll be honest with those 20 emails. I'll, I'll go back and check things that I, that I see of a kid, a point guard or a big or a wing. And then just based on that subject line, I'll, I'll read out to them. But sometimes it's like, I, I tell people at the junior college level, I'm not going to necessarily recruit. So for example, 23s are graduating this year, going to a 24 and, and, and recruiting a 24. I, I can build a relationship with that kid, which is going to definitely help. But that kid's that kid doesn't aspire to go to North Idaho College. That kid's waiting to, to see if there's a four-year school that that's really to give them an opportunity. Right. So having a relationship with that kid's great, but I'm not going to really be able to tell whether that kid's going to be able to follow my lap and me be able to seriously recruit them until they're 23 and I know what their options are, where they stand academically, um, what what uh, what they're looking for, and. You know, sometimes a two-year school for for a kid is not what they're looking for, but right, um, we're we're an opportunity for the right kid. And I I would say that if a kid wants to go to a four-year school and they're holding out for a four-year offer, and it's this time of year in their senior year, um, if they haven't reached out to a, a JUCO or a community coach or those JUCO coaches or community coaches are reaching out to them, they're not really seriously considering those options and they might be someone who's going to be left behind because I can't necessarily recruit uh, portal kids or transfer kids, but that changes when you go national JUCO, I can then start dipping into portal and I can start doing those things. And that high school kid who's waiting for an opportunity might be continuing to wait and they might get looked over by a portal kid. Right. And then I might be looking at a portal kid. So that kid might be getting looked at even at a two-year school. But I think the most important piece is one, selling yourself, using your resources as a player. If you play for a quality AAU program, using that AAU program and having the relationship with that AAU program so that an AAU coach can, 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 can help spread the word about you. And then being proactive. I know this year I'm going to have an open tryout in the spring. I'm still working on dates because I'm trying to find what, what dates would work. Yeah. Um, but I, I want to have an open tryout where I send to high school kids and coaches in Montana, in Washington, in Idaho, in Oregon, and those kids can come here and they get a great opportunity to to show coaches what what it is that they have for a potential opportunity. Awesome. Well, hey, I want to thank you so much for coming on and telling us a little bit about your program and Appreciate your career it. and everything. And it's been awesome to uh, 
talk to you and just thank you so much. I appreciate it, Mitch. Thank you very much. Yep. Have a great rest of your day. You as well. Thank you. Yep. Hey guys, Mitch here with Wide Left Sports, and do I have a company I would love to highlight for you. It's called Big Sky Customs. They make lifelike figurines of your playing days, which I think is awesome because every single person, once they're done with their playing days, they miss it. And um, how cool would it be to have a lifelike figurine to commemorate that? And I mean, Rob goes down to the very minute details about it. It's awesome. And the best part is it's out of Montana. Um, so yeah, if you want to get one ordered, just go to his Facebook page, Big Sky Customs, and start a conversation with him about it. And hopefully you enjoy your lifelike figurine from Big Sky Customs.